you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. And uh, we're studying in this series. There are different names of God because every name carries a character. Every name carries a revelation of who God is and what he wants to do in our life and what he wants to reveal to us, speak to us, who he is in our life. And every time we have a revelation of who he is, when we exalt that revelation, when we exalt that understanding that God is releasing over our life, we will automatically see a breakthrough in those areas of our life. Amen? And the first week we studied how He is our Elohim. And as our Elohim, He is our creator. We cannot question Him. He, he is the supreme judge over everything and he gets to have the final say in every area. He is the sustainer, the controller, the creator of everything and, and, and as his creation, our, our job is to show forth the glory of our creator. Just like the sun, the moon and the stars are doing, you and I, we show forth the glory of our creator. Amen? And the week after that we studied Yahweh and there was one particular term that we were just you know hitting on what is that term Yahweh Elohim amen and we saw how Yahweh is very interested in a close personal relationship how he wants to be involved in Adam and Eve's life and how everything that he does is to express his interest in their personal life, in their uh, marriage, in their assignments, in their career, every area of their life, he is interested in their life. And that's the uh, revelation that we saw. In fact, if you study Yahweh all throughout scriptures, you will continue to have such an amazing revelation of the heart of God. You know, and we saw how Yahweh is translated as capital L-O-R-D in our Bibles. Uh, and uh, so we'll go into the study for today. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible says, pray then like this. This is Jesus who is saying this. What did he say? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we studied how hallowed means to be honored, to be lifted, to be celebrated, to be uh, to be in that place of prominence, to be in that place where he, his name is, is set above everything else. The Passion Translation says, may our lives be built around the glory of your name. You know, that's kind of become like part and parcel of our family prayer. Every night when we pray together with the children, that's become part and parcel of our lives. Lord, let our family be built around the glory of your name. Everything that we do, let it be built around the glory of Elohim, around the glory of Yahweh, uh, 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 around the glory of your glorious name. Amen. Amen. 
the psalmist David he prayed it like this in Psalms 7 and verse 17 I will thank the Lord because he is just see every time the psalmist they sing a song or they declare a declaration you would see them giving a reasoning saying he's just or he's good or he's amazing or he's a wonder working God and 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 in this place he says I will thank God because he is just and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high this can be translated I will sing praise to the name of Yahweh who is most high Amen. I will sing praise to the name of Yahweh. Now we studied this in the first week. How when we praise the name of God, it is equivalent to praising a person because the name of God, it reveals his character. It, is, it carries the same weightage as the person of God. That is why we sing praises about the name of God. We exalt the name of God. Amen. And there is this great power that is unleashed when his name is spoken in any atmosphere. That name, whatever is packed in that name, gets unleashed in that atmosphere. Like for example, if I stand up here and I say Jehovah Jireh, I don't need to speak an entire sermon. We'll have an entire sermon on Jehovah Jireh in a few weeks. But I just need to stand up here and speak it out loud saying Jehovah Jireh and that name as soon as it is released in the atmosphere it has the power to unpack everything that is hidden inside that name into each and every one of our lives amen and that is why we have to make it a practice that when we come to sing to worship when we come to uh, you know have fellowship that we don't do this in the name of our church we don't do this in the name of our pastors we don't do this in the name of our organization we come to lift up only one and one name and that is the name of Yahweh the Most High we because he is just he's faithful he's kind he's loving and and he's he's somebody who is interested in my life he's not just this creator God who is out there uninterested in the going abouts of my life he is the very personal God who wants to be involved in every area of my life the book of Exodus chapter 34 and verse 5 Bible talks about how God is revealing himself to Moses in his conversation with God Moses asked the Lord this question will you please show me your glory in Exodus chapter 33 he he was wanting for God to give him a revelation of his glorious majesty his glorious presence and uh, Exodus chapter 34 is technically the answer to the prayer that Moses prayed in Exodus chapter 33 and what does he do it says then the Lord came down in a cloud that's the first thing that God did God came down it's capital L-O-R-D which is Yahweh it says then the Lord came down in a cloud 
Then he stood there with him. Then third thing, what did he do? And he called out his own name. Yahweh. Wait a minute. If God comes to meet me, I would like him to call my name, right? Come on, if, if you go to somebody else's house, would you be announcing your name or would you be saying, hello, Pastor Kachi, how are you doing? You wouldn't go there and say, hey, Priji, you know, here is Priji, you know, I have come to meet you. My name is Priji. You know, the reason being that when I go to his house, we are both equals and, and there is no point in me exalting myself over him. I am here to meet him and he is there to meet me, right? But in this particular encounter, two people cannot be exalted. In this particular encounter, only one person can be exalted because this is a glorious encounter. See, there were many other encounters which are not filled with revelation of God's presence. In those encounters, for example, when Moses met God in the burning bush, God called out Moses' name. That was not a glory encounter. God was not showing off his glory. When God spoke to Samuel, God called out his name saying, Samuel, Samuel. But here was an encounter which was not about Moses, which was not about Israelites. Here was an encounter where God wanted to reveal himself. And he comes down and he calls out his name. And he calls it out loudly. Yahweh, that is who I am. That is my name. Where sits, he gives more detailed understanding. The Bible says the Lord passed in front of Moses. And what did he do? He passed and he was calling out saying, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That is the definition of Yahweh. God is giving the definition of his name, Yahweh. And he's saying, hey, this is who I am. Anytime that you call my name in public, this is what gets unleashed in that place. This is what gets unpacked for you. Anytime we sing a song about Yahweh or Jehovah or Yah, you know, in the Old Testament, there are several ways in which the word Yahweh is used. In a majority of the Psalms, you would see this term Yah instead of Yahweh. It's primarily found in the term Hallelujah. The Hallelujah, Yah there stands for the Lord in Yahweh which means praise the Lord, hallelujah, is translation for praise the Lord. And throughout scripture, you would find several ways in which Yahweh is used, Yahweh, Yah, Jehovah, you know, all of that. And every time that that name is released, or that name is spoken, what we see is a person, we see this Elohim who is full of compassion, and who is full of mercy, who is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Do you know this was God's intention in revealing himself to mankind? 
His intention was for them to see his love, for them to see his faithfulness, for them to see his kindness towards them. God's intention was never to start a religion. It was man's intention to start a religion because they did not want God. Even in this particular encounter, you would see God comes down in, in Exodus chapter 18, 19, 20, you would see the progression of it. God comes down. God tells them, tomorrow I'm going to appear to all of you. So prepare yourself. And they prepare themselves and they ready themselves. Everything is set, you know, and God comes down and he reveals himself. And all of a sudden, the people say, no, this God is too glorious. This God is too glamorous. This God is too awesome. We cannot handle his glory. See, God said that you can handle his glory and God is coming down to show, show of himself. But the people, they said, no, I don't think we can take this. Why don't you, Moses, go up the mountain, go and hear from this glorious God and come and speak to us? That is where religion was born. Where man told another man, saying, you be our representative to God. We don't want a direct relationship with God. We don't want God to speak to us directly. I don't think we can handle it. I don't think I can continue to live the same way that I lived after meeting this God. You know, that whenever anybody met with God, their lives got transformed completely. In Exodus chapter 34, the Bible talks about how when Moses heard this voice and he came down, the Bible says his face was shining so radiantly that people could not look at his face directly. It was as if looking at the sun. You know how hard it will be on your eyes to look at the sun directly. And all that Moses did was hear God's voice and he had this encounter with the glory of God. If Moses could handle it, all of Israelites could have also handled it. And yet they did not want to be transformed into that glorious image that Moses got transformed into. They did not want to give up their compromised lifestyle. They did not want to give up on their uh, you know, routines and they did not want to give up on what they like to do and what they wanted to do in their life. And that is why they said, no, can you please meet with this God? And can you have an encounter with God and bring us a revelation of him? A watered down revelation, something that we can take, a revelation that doesn't have the glory in it, a revelation that doesn't have the power in it. Just come and give us the information about this God without giving us the person of this God. Even when Moses came down, they asked Moses to cover his face because they're like, we'd like to hear what you say, but we don't want the glory that you carry. We want just information and so often in church we settle for information we settle for good information and we settle for good revelations and we like to clap hands for it and 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 uh, just say wow that's amazing and, and and we go back home satisfied just because we learned one or two new scriptures whereas that was never the intention of God revealing himself to us 
His intention was always for you to know him so well, see him so deeply that your life begins to become the way that you behold. That the way that you look at God, whatever you see in him will automatically get reflected, will automatically get received and will get developed even in your own life. That was the whole purpose. Here is Yahweh. He, he walks in front of Moses. Here is a Yahweh who is coming and he stood in front of Moses. Then he passed in front of him and then he called out his own name. And he called out the name saying, I am Yahweh. I am Lord and I am the God of compassion and mercy. And I'm slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Verse 7, he said, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin. This is, this is the one that we worship. This is the one that we are singing about. This is the one that we are talking about. He is Yahweh. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm, I'm releasing his forgiveness. You know what I told you a couple of minutes back? When his name is released, everything that is packed in that name is unleashed. Just when I spoke Yahweh in this place, there was a blessing that was spoken upon your life and up to your thousand generations. I don't even have to say, may God bless you. No, I just have to speak the word Yahweh. That's it. You're blessed. You, you just didn't know what happened in your life. Something shifted all the way till your thousandth generations. Thousand generations after you will be blessed, will experience unfailing love because of that one name, Yahweh. You know that scripture goes on to say how he punishes the guilty, the ones that are, you know, still living in condemnation and he punishes the guilty and he punishes them to the third and the fourth generation. Now that's not talking about us. Do you know that there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus? Every one of us are in Christ Jesus. If you're not, then today you have to make that change. If you're watching us online, wherever you're tuned in from, I know that sometimes these videos can just pop up on your feed or your screen. But if you are listening to this and you still feel guilty about your sin, you still feel guilty about the things that you have done, then it is high time that you trust in Jesus today. And when you trust in this Jesus, the Bible says he will make you a new creation. He will make you a new person altogether. And he will bring you to this place where he can lavish his unfailing love on you to a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. That is the Yahweh that we worship and that we celebrate. Again, all of these statements are in the Old Testament. We are not even entered into New Testament. If the glory of the Old Testament was so much, how much greater is the glory that we have in and through Jesus? Amen? Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 44. This is God speaking. He says, You will know that I am the Lord, O people of Israel, 
when I have honored my name by treating you mercifully in spite of your wickedness. In spite, somebody say in spite. In spite of your wickedness, in spite of your disobedience, in spite of your immorality, in spite of your sins, in spite of all those areas of your life where you've dishonored God, where you've displeased God, where you've you know, gone against the will of God in your life. The Bible says, to honor my name, for the honor of my name, what is his name? Yahweh, we're still talking about Yahweh. And he says, to honor my name, I am going to treat you mercifully. This morning there is mercy available for us in spite of what we have gone through, in spite of what we have experienced, in spite of what we have done or what we have not done. This morning the Lord says that, hey, because I am honoring my name in BRC. This is a prophetic word for the people of BRC that this morning he is hallowing his name. He is honoring his name. He is walking in our midst, calling out his own name. Our names don't make any difference to him. Only his name makes a difference to us. When his name is honored in this place, we will be objects of his mercy. We will be receptors of his mercy. In spite of our failures, in spite of all those areas of our life where we could not keep up to our end of the bargain. It says, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, if you go to the root word, the NLT translation uses the word sovereign for this word several times. But the other translations, they would translate it as Lord, the normal L-O-R-D with just L capital and O-R-D small. And it can be traced back to the root word Adonai. Everybody say Adonai. Adonai. Now, the first person to start referring to God as Adonai is Abraham. Let's read that. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2. It says, by the way, that Ezekiel verse, where it says, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. It can be spelled as I, the Adonai Elohim have spoken. That's the root word. And you would see the same terminology all throughout scriptures where Adonai and Elohim is used together. You saw last week how Yahweh and Elohim is used together, right? But it's used together only in the Garden of Eden, right? In that very intimate personal relationship that Adam and Eve had with Yahweh. And then when we zoom into these lives of these men and women that walked with God, you would see them. This is not God calling himself. This is the people in their relationship with God. They begin to refer to God with this name, Adonai. It says in uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2, but Abraham said, O Lord God, which can be translated as O 
Adonai Elohim, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. In other words, he is listening to this promise that Elohim made to him. He listened to this promise that Yahweh gave him and he is responding to that promise and he's saying, I know that you are Yahweh and I know that you are Elohim but I also know that you are my Adonai. So he calls God as his Adonai and he says, God, you are my Adonai. That is why I'm going to bring this problem to you. You've been telling me that I will be blessed but look at this problem. There is a problem. There seems to be a conflict here between what you have promised me and what I am receiving and walking in. I, I need a clarification in this area. And in fact, when God says, I'm going to bless you with generations, he's saying, is it all going to be going to Eliezer? Eliezer is just a servant in his house. He's not even a son, not even a relative. And he's saying, because I continue childless, is it all going to Eliezer? But you are my Adonai. I want to know what you think about this. Because you are my Adonai, I want to know what you feel about this. Verse 8 of the same, same chapter. He said, Oh, Adonai Elohim, how am I to know that I shall possess it? God is making promises after promises after promises to Abraham. And he is asking a question back to God saying, God, I still believe that you are my Adonai. And I want a revelation of how this will come about. How will this take place? How will this, how will I actually possess it? And, and, and he's asking this question to God saying, how am I going to experience this? How am I going to, uh, you know, really receive these, these promises that you have made towards me? And immediately God appears to him. And the Bible talks about how God makes a covenant with Abraham in this verse as a result of this question that Abraham asked God. God is now making a covenant with Abraham. And that is a beautiful picture of how God is showing to Abraham that I am faithful with what I have promised you. And I'm going to make sure to bring whatever I have promised you to pass. I'm going to fulfill my promises to you. In fact, when a covenant is usually made, it is made between two people. It is made between the person who is making the promise and the person who is receiving the promise. And both of them have to keep their end of the bargain. For example, if I make a covenant with you know this church saying you know what as long as you want to love God or you know you want to serve God I will be a pastor in this place there is a condition my condition is that I, I, I faithfully do my job of, of pastoring this church your condition is that you have to faithfully want to love God and serve God yeah and if at any given point of time, let's say that you change, uh, the church changes its decision to not serve God anymore. 
then I am no longer obligated to keep my end of the bargain because it's a covenant between two people. But when it came to the covenant between God and Abraham, the Bible says God put Abraham to sleep because God knew that no matter how hard Abraham will try, he can never keep his end of the bargain. He can never keep his keep this covenant. So God put Abraham to sleep and God was the whole sole owner of this covenant. And God said, even if you don't keep it, even if you forget it, I have promised this and I am about to keep my promises towards you. So there was a covenant that was made. And any time, most times, if you read throughout scripture, there are about 400 times when this term Adonai is used in the Old Testament. And most times, okay, except a few exceptions, it's used by men of God who have had covenant relationships with God. Or it is used between two people who have covenant relationships with each other. And, and, and here it is where God says, yes, you call me Adonai, that is who I will be in your life. I will truly be Lord. What does this term Adonai mean? That's the, that's the name that we are studying. Everybody say Adonai. Now, this term Adonai, it comes from, the, the, again, I don't know if you remember, when we studied about Elohim, I told you, Elohim is the plural essence of El, or Eloi, or Eloah. There are a couple of derivatives of El in the Old Testament that's used. It could be El, it could be Elo, Elohai, Eloha, and the plural essence of it is Elohim, which is the most used uh, term for God in the Old Testament, which is a plural essence. And if you come to the term Adonai, Adonai is used in the exact same way, meaning to say that it's a plural essence. It may not be to refer to three different persons, but to show that there is plurality in the Godhead. There is that the Father, He is Adonai, the Son, Jesus, He is Adonai that the Holy Spirit is also Adonai. The singular form of this word will be Adon or Adonis. Okay, when anytime you would hear Lord or Master used in singular form in the Old Testament, you would go back to the root word and you would find the word Adon or Adonis. Okay, but in this place, when it comes to referring to God, you would always find Adonai, which is plural in, in itself. And it's usually used in covenantal relationships. Sometimes between husband and wife, master and, and servant. There are over 400 occurrence and usages of God being referred as Adonai in the Old Testament. And it's translated as L-O-R-D, capital L. O-R-D in the English Bible. Okay, so whenever you read your Bible and you see only L is capital, you should immediately connect it back to Adonai. What does Adonai mean? Adonai in simple terms just means Lord or Master. That's it. It is not something that is only used to refer to God. 
it can also be used in the Old Testament. It was also used in several other places to refer to a master, a physical earthly master or a physical earthly Lord. You know, it was used to refer to them. But we are focusing specifically on whenever it is being used to refer to God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 32. I'm going to give you this five six scriptures and try to show you what these guys are trying to do when they call God as their Adonai. And we'll try to derive a pattern from it. Let's read that scripture, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 32. Abraham said, Oh, let not my Adonai be angry because I will speak again. And which means that he had been speaking with the, his Adonai for a bit, for quite a bit. And he's reasoning with his Adonai. There is a conversation going back and forth. Okay. Do you understand what Adonai means? What does it mean? Lord or master or the person who is in charge, who is in control. Okay. And then he said, oh, my dear Adonai, please do not be angry with me. Yes, I'm going to speak again. This one's one more time. Suppose only 10 are found. What is he arguing about? Or what is he fighting about? Or what is he pleading or praying about? The, the, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and here is Abraham praying and asking God, God, what if 50 people are there? Will you destroy the whole city for the sake of the unrighteous people? If 50 righteous people are there in that city, God says, okay, I'll not do that. And then Abraham calls God as Adonai and he says, you are the Adonai. Let me remind you that you are my Adonai. But I want to ask you, what if only 45 people are there? What if only 40 are there? Again and again, instead of calling him as Yahweh, instead of calling him as Elohim, he calls him Adonai. In other words, every time that he calls him Adonai, what he's saying is, this is what I want, but you are the Adonai. You are the one who gets to make the final call. You are the master in this conversation. At no point do I want to push for my way. At no point do I want to push for my will. You are still my Adonai. And still, I have the freedom to negotiate with him and say, what about the 50? What about the 40? What about the 30 or the 20 or the 10? You know, sometimes when we think about God being our master, our Lord, we think he's, it's like a non-negotiable deal. You can't have a conversation with him or you cannot have anything to do. You know, our Lord Jesus himself prayed this prayer saying, if it is possible, take this cup of suffering away from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What was he saying? He was saying, yes, this is what I would like to see. This is what is comfortable for me. Yet, you are my Adonai. You get to have the final say. You get to have the final call in this area of my life. So here is Abraham. He's getting into very dangerous territory. Nobody before has dared to negotiate with God to such an extent. The only other person who negotiated with God was Cain. 
where Cain was cursed and thrown out, he went to God and said, God, what if when people see me, if they see that I'm cursed, what if they kill me? And he's having a negotiation with God. Nobody else negotiated the way that this guy did. He's negotiating from 50 to 45, all the way to 10. And he says, you are my Adonai. Let's go to the next place where there is a negotiation happening. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, but Moses is pleading with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never have been and I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You know the story. God is calling Moses to be a prophet for his name. And what is Moses' excuse? Moses says, God, I'm, I'm going to plead with you. But let me remind you before I start my conversation, you are my Adonai. And he begins to negotiate saying, I cannot do this, God. This, this is an area where I need a little bit of help. I, I don't think I can do this. You know, in fact, when Moses brings up his complaint before God, God replies by saying, Moses, who made man's mouth? Who is the one who puts speech into man's mouth? Can I not help you, Moses? Moses continues the argument with God, saying, Adonai, I don't think I can do it. And finally, the Bible says God got angry with Moses. Okay? And still, God listened to Moses' prayer. God actually was upset that Moses wouldn't trust God. And finally, God said, okay, because you're pushing, because you're not saying yes to it, go. I will ask Aaron to join you to be your spokesperson. Again, we see a negotiation happening where this Moses is trying to get God to agree on something that is not best according to him in his own eyes. And still, the one reason he got spared even in this conversation is because he said, you are still my Adonai. I'm not going to call you just Yahweh or Elohim, but I'm going to call you my Adonai. I'm going to give you control. I'm going to give you the authority to make the final decision in this matter. Another time, Moses is praying for the Israelites. Exodus chapter 34 now. It says, and he said, Oh, Adonai, if it is true that I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, we are a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. Again, Moses is indulging in a negotiation with God. God just came and told Moses, I'm not going to go with these guys. I'll send an angel. But Moses says, no God, we can't do with an angel. We want you to come. And he's saying, Lord, please, we need favor with you. Please forgive us our iniquity and our sins. And please come with us. Here is Moses bargaining for God's presence to go with Moses. And he uses the term Adonai. 
he doesn't use Yahweh, he doesn't use Elohim, he calls on to the Adonai, to the master side of God, to the Lord that he is, to the person that God is, where he is in charge, which means, you know, he can change his decision, he can change his mind about a certain thing. He is not the rigid, unchanging personality that you and I think him to be. He is the person that when he says, he is open to having a conversation with you. Amen? He is the Adonai. We see the same thing in the book of Joshua, chapter 7. Again, the nation of Israel has gone through a failure, a massive failure. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord! He's saying, Alas, my Adonai, Elohim! Why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? Or to destroy us? Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? He's asking God, how did this come to pass? A small nation called Ai defeated such an amazing large nation called Israel. Now, Joshua is asking God, how did this happen? How did this happen? You are our Adonai. Why did you let this happen? I want an answer from you. He's getting into that negotiation mode with God. He is pleading like Moses did. He is bargaining with God like Abraham did. And he is asking God, how did this come about? Please show me a way out. Why did this happen? And God came and told him, hey, there is sin in the camp of Israel. And that is why this happened. And God is revealing the, the challenges and the problems. We move on to the book of Judges. I'm just giving you all these stories just to draw a pattern of all the people who have called down to God as Adonai. This is the story of Samson. What did he say? Then Samson called to Yahweh saying, Oh, Adonai Elohim, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, oh Elohim, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. This is the last prayer that Samson is praying. And right now, Samson is being ridiculed. He's being made fun of. And he deserves it because he disobeyed, compromised so many areas of his life. And now he's in this place where he's lost his vision, he's lost his strength. He doesn't deserve to receive another chance from God. But then he calls on to the Adonai side of God. And he says, I know, Adonai, that you, I can negotiate with you, Adonai. You're my master. You can change my situation right now and I'm going to negotiate with this. Will you remember me once again? Will you have mercy on me once again? Will you strengthen me once again? Will you revive me once again? You know, if you read the story of all these guys, none of them deserved to pray these prayers. But they are praying. They are they are appealing to the Adonai side of God. The, the side that is willing to change and shift things, move things around for the convenience of his people, even though they do not deserve that 
love. You know, I want you to picture this God as a master or as a, a landlord and you owe money to him or whatever, you know, you owe, uh, you know, uh, your life or whatever. And here is the master saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to make an adjustment for you. I'm going to give you a, a discount. Yes, you don't deserve this discount. You've stayed in this house for three months. You have to pay the three months rent. But because it is me, because I'm Adonai over your life, I'm willing to give you a discount. I'm willing to let you in. I'm willing to let go. I'm willing to forgive you, Samson. And I'm willing to give you the strength back. And the Bible says, Samson, in answer to this prayer, he did more mighty wonder than all the other things that he did through his life. Like he killed more people as an answer to this prayer than all the individual battles that he had fought previously where he called on to the Adonai side of God. Amen? Let's go into the book of Daniel chapter 9 and verse 15. Daniel in exile. Now he is negotiating with God because he saw this prophecy about Israel that Israel had to be back in their promised land in 70 years. And he is calling out to God and he says, Oh Adonai, my Elohim, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But look at us. We have sinned and are full of wickedness. We don't deserve your mercy. In spite of my wickedness, in spite of my challenges, for the honor of your name, will you once again have mercy on us? Will you once again have mercy on us? This morning, this Adonai is available for a negotiation. This is especially true for those of us who don't deserve what he wants to do in our life, who, don't, who are not positioned correctly. But the Lord says, if you call on the Adonai side of me, I may just, I may just change some things around for you. I may just turn everything around to make sure that you are blessed, that you are lifted up. David prayed this in Psalms 40 and verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but my Adonai, somebody say my Adonai. My Adonai. He takes thought of me or he remembers me and you are, you are my Adonai and you are my help and my deliverer. So do not delay, oh my Elohim. That's the prayer that David prays. And he says, you are my Adonai. When I'm poor, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, when I'm needy in different areas of my life, when I don't see an answer, when I don't deserve your help, my Adonai, he takes thought of me. He takes thought for me. He thinks about me. So you are my help and you are my deliverer. So do not delay. Come to my rescue. Come and help me. Amen. We go to the book of Exodus chapter 21 and verse 2. We'll see this um, regulation that God gave has to be the regulation of dealing between masters and slaves. 
you know God is speaking to the Israelites and he says if you own a Hebrew slave see the regulation was different if it is Hebrew slave and it's different if it's a non-Hebrew slave because Hebrews or the Jews or the Israelites they cannot be slaves all their, all their life they cannot be in debt all their life every seven years <laughs> there would be a reset button did you know this if you if you owe a lot of money all you have to wait for is seven years you know the seventh year is like a year of rest and it's a year of release but every 49 years in the 50th year will be called a year of jubilee and it's like a year when not just that you you get uh, your debts you know washed off you get back your property for whatever reason if you have sold your property you get it back that's it's like a reset button on the economy it's a reset button everywhere now this is God's original plan for the Jews or for the Israelites you know in the, the for the civil laws okay if that is true in the Old Testament how much more does God want to reset hit a reset button in your life and my life now you may think ah this economically this doesn't make sense because if I have spent this money I, I, somebody has to pay for it right but God says I'm gonna hit a reset button for some of you I'm gonna hit a button which is going to erase the trace of everything that you owe and everything that you think you owe to anybody I'm gonna bring freedom into your life the Lord says it says if, if you buy a Hebrew slave he may serve for no more than six years on the seventh year you have to set him free and he will owe you somebody say it loudly nothing for his freedom he'll not owe you anything for his freedom six years he can serve you but the seventh year you have to let him go free verse 3 if he was single when he came when he became your slave when he leaves he shall leave single but if he was married before he became a slave then his wife must be freed with him do you understand the concept six years back when he came into your house if he was alone when he leaves he can go alone if he was married when he leaves he can be taking his wife along with him when he is freed verse 4 but if his master this word master the root word is Adonis or Adon you know you remember the singular term whenever the singular term is used we use the word Adon or Adonis so this that's the root word that is used here and it says if his master or if his Adon gave him a wife while he was a slave let's say in the six years his master gave him a wife and they had sons or daughters then only the man will be free in the seventh year his wife and children will still belong to the master will still belong to the Lord verse 5 but everybody say but but the slave has the option to declare hey wait the master that I serve he's a good master he can publicly declare saying I love my master my wife and my 
children, I don't want to go free. The slave can make that choice. It is not the master's choice. The master cannot force the slave to serve him for life. It, the slave can make the choice saying, you know what, I love my master. He's not saying, I love the salary or I love the blessings that the master gave me. What are the blessings that the master gave me? He gave me wife and children. The wife and the children and the blessings, it is secondary to my love for my master. If he declares that I love my wife and my children, the master will not keep him. But if he declares that I love my master and then my wife and my children, then, and, and then he declares saying, because of my love for my master, I don't want to go free. You know, several of us can want to serve God, you know, or want to have him as the Adonai over our life. But my question is, why do you want to do it? Do you want to do it because of your love for your wife and your children? The blessings that Adonai gave you? Or because you want to do it because of your love for your Adonai? Why do you want to stay with God? Why do you want to follow God? Is it because of the blessings that God is wanting to give you? Or is it because you love this God? Here the slave has the option to stand up and declare, my master has been good to me and I love my master. I do not want to go free. This morning, the Lord is going to give you the option. He's not going to force himself on you. He's going to let you decide if you would like to go free or if you would like to have him as an Adonai over your life, as a master over your life. If he is your Adonai, I'm telling you, your life is going to be beautiful. Your life is going to be lit in today's terms. Your life is going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be amazing. But it has to be your choice. And you have to make this choice because you love your master. You love your master. You love your Adonai. You trust your Adonai. You trust your king. You trust your Lord. You trust Yahweh. You trust his ways. You trust his timing. You trust his plans for you. You trust his will for you. And you say, I don't want to go free. He says, if he does declare like that, where sits, he says, if he does this, if he declares his love for you, then his master, or for us, his, our Adonai, it says his master must present him before God. Why? Because this was a spiritual ceremony. You know, if it was a religious, if it was a civil ceremony, they have to present themselves before the city rulers. If it was a religious ceremony, then before the priest. But he says, but if he, if he, this is a spiritual ceremony. So you have to bring that slave before God then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly, everybody say publicly. And publicly pierce his ear with an awl. And after that, the slave will serve his master for another six years, right? 
Then the slave will serve his master for? For life. Then the slave, what the slave is doing is, he's getting into a covenant relationship with his master. Did you see that covenant that God made with Abraham? When Abraham called him Adonai, God came and he made a covenant with him. Same thing with Moses, same thing with David, same thing with Daniel. All these guys that, that you know, um, called upon the Adonai side of God, God made a promise and, a, and got into a covenant relationship with them. And here God is laying out the, the, the foundations for master to servant relationship. God says this should be the reason why he should stay back. He can stay back only if he loves his master. And if he loves his master, this is what the master will do. He will take him to a door and he will pierce through his body, through his ears, and it will be a public affair. And after this, this servant or this slave will belong to the master for his entire life. Why? Because of his love for his master and then for the blessings that the master gave him. You know, God knew that you and I cannot bear to, you know, be pierced. That is why he was pierced for us. Our Jesus, he, he took on our nails on that wooden doorpost that he carried all the way to Calvary. And the Bible says they, they nailed him to the cross. That was a display of his covenant relationship with us. He was paying the price to be your Adonai and my Adonai for life. He knew that you and I don't have in it us to go through the excruciating pain of carrying the mark of the covenant on our bodies, on our lives, on our souls. So what he said is, I am going to pay the price for this relationship. I am the master, but the master cannot pay. So the master became a servant. He took on the form of a servant and he came down. He did not claim equality with God. He humbled himself like a slave to the point of death, the Bible says. And he died a painful, excruciating death, a death on the cross, a criminal's death where he was pierced. It says, even after he died, these guys didn't leave him. They went and pierced his side to make sure that he's truly dead. And then water and blood flowed out together. Every drop of blood was shed to seal his lordship over your life to seal the price with which we can have him as our Adonai for life. All that we need to do today is just publicly declare, I love my master. I do not want to go free. Guess what? He, he will not force you to be his forever. He is giving you the option. Do you want to go free? Please, by all means, go free. But you have the option of saying, no, I love my master. I love my Adonai. I don't want to go free. I want this relationship. I want this friendship where I can negotiate with him. I want this friendship where I can, you know, bring to him my life and, 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 and receive his will plans in every area of my life. The Bible talks about Jesus showing off to his disciples in John chapter 20. Let's quickly read it together. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. 
one of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. The word here is a Greek word, which technically means the same word as Adonai. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hand and then I will put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on the side. Eight days later, isn't it crazy that when we try to negotiate with God, with our Adonai, sometimes God gives into our negotiation. It's not always wise to do it, but sometimes when he sees that you're willing to engage with him, he gives him. The Bible says eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with him. With them, the doors were locked. Read it with me. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be faithless. Believe. Don't be faithless. Believe. What is Jesus doing? Jesus saying, come Thomas. You want to put your hands? Come put your hands into my body. You want to see the nail marks? You want to see proof that you belong to me now? You want proof that I am your Adonai? Come. I am opening myself up to an encounter with you. I am opening myself to be touched, tasted, tried. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say, just, just you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come. You, you want? Come. But do not do it out of lack of faith. Do not be faithless. Believe. And immediately, what did Thomas do? The Bible says, he claimed, he, he declared, my, my Lord and my God. If it was in Hebrew, he would be saying, my Adonai, my Elohim. Jesus showed him his nail prints, right? Instead of just saying, oh, that's amazing. You're the real deal. Instead of saying that, what was Thomas's response? You're my Adonai. You're my master. And I love my master. That was his public declaration of love and submission to his Adonai. And Jesus replied to him and he said, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe even without seeing me. Some of us may not have the same encounters yet, but will you still believe? Will you still trust him? Will you still submit to him? Will you still submit to his ways, to his plans? Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. Only they are the ones who will enter. All of us can come to church and just call him Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. 
that's not going to change anything about us. We have to be willing to submit ourselves to the rulership of our Adonai, where His will gets the you know priority in our life, where His plans for us. What's the point of having God as your master, where you are always trying to push your way? Yes. He is not, he's not a rigid God. He is flexible. He loves you to come and negotiate with Him. But that doesn't mean that you do it outside the framework of Adonai. You can tell Him, Lord, if it is possible, I don't want to do this. Yet, you're my Adonai, not my will. Yours be done. Lord, Nineveh sounds like a bad idea to me. Yet, you're my Adonai, not my will. Yours be done. If we can pray like that, man, that's what God appreciates. When God was upset with the Israelites, he sent a prophet called Malachi and he spoke to them. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and the respect that I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. You know, God is speaking to them and he says, Hey, you are calling me father? You're calling me master? Then where is the honor? Or where is the respect that a father or a master should be getting? You have shown contempt for my name. My name is Adonai. You have shown contempt for my name. And then, you know, the verse goes on to say the people asking God, where have we shown contempt? How have we shown contempt? What did we do to dishonor your name? We didn't make fun of Adonai. We didn't make fun of Elohim. We didn't make fun of Yahweh. But then God replies. One of the things that God says is this. Malachi chapter 1 verse 13. says, you say. What do you say? It is too hard to serve. The Lord, you turn up your noses at my commands, says the Lord of heaven's armies. What God is saying is, Hey, you are showing contempt against my name as me being the master or the father over your life. You are showing contempt, a dishonor to my name every time that you say, Oh, this is so hard. Oh, this is so difficult to do. Oh, this is unbearable. I don't think I can be a Christian anymore. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do it. Every time you do that, you're dishonoring the name of God. He's my Adonai. When you say that I don't want to go free, what you're saying is, Lord, for the rest of my life, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. I don't care. My will I, I don't have any self-will anymore. You know, when you look at the life of the apostles in the New Testament, this was their lifestyles. This was their prayer. You know, in the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul introduces himself. He says, this is Paul and Timothy writing to you guys. We are the bond servants of Jesus Christ. We're writing to all the saints. But who are we? Born servants of Jesus Christ. Put your name there. Put your name there. It says, I, Pritchy Vargas, I am a born servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a born servant. I, I, I'm a bonded laborer. 
you know bonded laborer would make more sense to us right i'm a bond servant he has paid the price to make me his bond servant he was pierced so that i can serve him for his whole life for my whole life he further says this in verse 21 of the same chapter can we make this our declaration for me now because i am a bond servant for me to live is christ and for me to die is gain is there anything in between if you are living what do you live for for christ if you are dying you die for gain let me read it from the amplified translation it says for me to live is christ he is the source of my joy and my reason to live that's that's it. that's that's what i'm living for i'm not living to please anybody i'm not living for your pleasure i'm living for the pleasure of my adonai amen for me to live is for jesus for his name he is the source of my joy and my reason to live the next line he says and to die is gain why for i will be with him in eternity so even if i die it's okay because i get to be with him for me to live is also him to die is also gain can we make that our prayer can we make that our desire this adonai he deserves my complete trust and faith in him his will his plan his ways and his time he deserves it he deserves it he is asking us this question this morning if i am your master if i am your adonai where is my respect why are you treating my name with contempt where is my respect come on read it out with me adonai deserves my complete trust and faith in him in his will his plans his ways and his timings come on once again my adonai deserves my complete trust and faith in him in his will his plan his ways and his time once again my adonai he deserves my complete trust my faith in him in his will his plans his ways and his timings i'm going to trust you god i'm going to trust you because you're my adonai let's surrender to him this morning what are those areas of your life this morning this that is not under the lordship of adonai he's inviting you do you love him if yes make this choice to serve him if you love him that is if you love him decide to choose him daddy we thank you so much for speaking to us as a church we declare that you are lord you are lord over bangalore revival center you are adonai over 
my home, my family, and my house. You are Adonai over my life. You are Adonai over my health. You are Adonai over my wealth. You are Adonai over my relationships. You are Adonai in my coming in and in my going out. You are Adonai in my business and in my career. You are Adonai over my past, my present, and my future. You are Adonai in my investments and in my giving. You are Adonai over my tithes and my offerings this morning. You are Adonai over every area of my life. That is the prayer that we pray together as a family. Lord, come and have your way. Not my will, but yours be done. May we never be found bringing contempt to your name. May we never be found bringing dishonor to the person of Jesus, to the person of Adonai. We love you, my Adonai. We love you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And everybody said an amen. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that you are blessed by the word. We would love for you to be our guest on any of the weekends on a Saturday night service at 7pm or a Sunday morning service at 11am. For more information, please visit our website dreamingrevival.com.